This fall at Leading Second, we're excited to announce the return of coaching groups. Our coaching groups have been reimagined with a fresh format and focus. Get in the leadership gym and increase your leadership capacity. You can find more details at leadingsecond.com forward slash coaching. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Leading Second Podcast where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Well, welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and we are so glad to be back with weekly Thursday morning episodes of the podcast. Uh, Back from a summer break, we took a few weeks off and of course had team church conference right in the middle and we are back for weekly episodes for the fall so glad you're here today if you lead but you're not in charge leading second is for you if you serve a vision bigger than yourself your pastor's vision your church's vision then leading second is your tribe welcome home we're so glad you're here today and uh, we have weekly episodes being released uh, the rest of the fall. Glad you're back. Hey, we're going to have a lot of fun today and we have a great interview planned for you. Before we get there though, today we had another great I Am Leading Second story uh, come in from one of the Leading Second tribe members and I wanted you to hear this today. So let's check out what God is doing in the life of another one of our Leading Second tribe members. Hey guys, uh, this is Jesus from Mexico. I'm gonna try to do my best with my accent and my English, but uh, thank you for the opportunity. Leading Second has been an amazing tool, but also a great community where I have found people looking forward to the same thing. Grow, be a culture model, and raise other leaders. My heart for my church is to set up an atmosphere where anyone can make a difference. Anyone is able to lead second. I love leading from the second chair because I have understood my place in the kingdom and my place, it is not a position, role or job. Please keep taking care of your heart and relationship with God. I am Jesus from Mexico and I am leading second. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer on the podcast, or if you'd like to share your I Am Leading Second story, I would encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com, reach out to us, ask your questions, share your story. We would love to feature you on an upcoming episode. Well, today I am beyond excited to welcome back to the podcast one of our nation's greatest second chair leaders, Larry Bry from Elevation Church. Larry was actually with us at Team Church Conference Of course, Leading Second is a part of the greater Team Church tribe, and the Elevation team uh, were some of our guests this year at Team Church, and I stole Larry for a few minutes, sat down with him, and uh, had a conversation with him that I wanted to share with you today. I believe it'll help you. Uh, When we sat down, Larry and I talked about this topic, what every pastor needs from their team. And, you know, we're working really hard at Leading Second to continue to bring lead pastors and second chair leaders together 
in greater alignment on a foundation of trust. And I pray that this conversation is one that will help us understand each other as we try to get it right and build great churches. So without further ado today, here it is my conversation with Larry Bry. All right. Well, I'm beyond excited today to welcome back to the podcast one of, I believe, one of our nation's greatest second chair leaders, Pastor Larry Bry from Elevation Church. Now, I don't know if I've ever been introduced so nicely. Uh, like, that's just... You, I'm not kidding. You, you, man. you set the bar really, really high for all of us, and I'm grateful for I'm you. I'm man crushing right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going there. Okay. Okay. Hey. I like it. I like it. Uh, no, but th- thank you so much for sitting down with us a little bit today. And I am also joined uh, by, by the great Pastor Jody Cameron. Uh, Hello. Is on our team uh, here at Champion Center, one of our campus pastors, uh, Champion Center at Bellevue. I'm glad you're here today. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We're going to sit and and have a conversation. And um, today what I thought we would do uh, for this for this conversation, I thought we would talk about what every pastor needs from us. Love it. As, as leaders in the second chair. Larry, yep. why don't you, I guess for everyone listening, why don't you give us an idea of what you do now at Elevation Church. Man, it has changed so much. We launched our church, gosh, coming up on 14 years ago now. And I have had 13 different uh, job titles. Oh, gosh. Seriously. And I moved moved into a new role uh, probably about two months ago. It was one of those that when we started our church, I looked at Pastor Stephen and I said, whatever you need me to do, the answer is yes. Now you just tell me the question. My calling didn't come with conditions. Right, right. It so wasn't good. like if it had a certain title or a certain job description or a certain income or a certain zip code. It was like, no, I am available. Use me how you want me to. And so I could tell you what I'm doing now, but it might change in a couple months. So. By the time even but, this airs. It, but it, I, think, it, I think one of the things I've always cared in the ministry is really just um, driving the vision and values deep into the volunteer culture and then into the leadership of the church. That's so good. Why are you already preaching on the intro, by the way? <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. I like it. I, I like it. I like it. Well, um, I thought I would start with this question for you today. Um, what do you love most about your church and your pastor? Uh, pastor Stephen, you're, you're part of a great house. Uh, I guess just bleed for a minute, you know, your heart. Why, why do you love your house and your pastor so much? Yeah, gosh, I mean, that, that's, that, that's a long answer. Uh, but I think the, the the short point to it is, I don't know, for me, I grew up um, in a world where my dad was an alcoholic. I had, you know, three brothers and a sister, and it was a very abusive home. And so anytime someone would lean into me as a kid, I always braced myself to fight you. Because anytime mm-hmm. somebody leaned in, I thought they were going to tear me down. Uh, Pastor Stephen is the first voice that ever leaned in because he believed in. Wow. And And there was something about the way that he loved me enough to lean in, but see past my defenses, my fists going up, that said, I'm, I love you too much to let you stay in that posture, and I'm gonna stay here till your hands fall, and you let me in. Wow. And so, wow. why wouldn't I follow that? And a lot of the development I've seen in my own life and in my marriage and in my kids is a direct result of all the investments he's, he's placed in me. And so, you know, that's why, you know, I love my pastor for so many reasons, that being the biggest one. You know what I think I love the most about your church is obviously so many of us know the public face of your church. Your, your pastor is a world-class communicator. Your, the worship has blessed so many of our church. Yeah, that would be yeah. the very public-facing side. But I think what I've grown to respect most about your house is all the 
all the hidden stuff. Oh, I mean, you, you just mentioned something yeah. that's so intangible. Yeah. And and yet so profound. Yeah, and it's it's things that people look from the outside. It's easy to see the the tour and the platform and yep. all the stuff. But the blessing everybody sees began with sacrifices that nobody sees. Right. And, um, you know, for me, it's just even simple things like my, my father passed away earlier this year. The very first person to call me was Pastor Stephen. He called me every single day through the process and he pastored me through it. He tried to do everything he could to rearrange his schedule to fly in the middle of winter to rule Minnesota. He just couldn't make it work. But that's the kind of man that he is. That'll never go up on a podcast or that'll right, never go up right. on a YouTube video. But but that's who he is and that's who we are as a ministry. I love uh, that. I, I mean, that's so powerful, just what, what you've been sharing. And um, I, I think what I would love to know from you, uh, can, I, can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Dive in. <laughs> uh, what I would love to know is, you know, because of uh, the loyalty and the time that you've had with Pastor Stephen, what are some things that you could share with us that you feel like a pastor needs from their team? Like, obviously, you have created this bond yeah. with your pastor. And that, that's probably because you've noticed, like, what are some things that my pastor needs? Yeah. And obviously, every person is different. But just in a general sense, as a second chair yep. leader, what what are some things that we can do that our, our pastor needs? Love it. Love the question. And the, I love the concept of second chair because second chair isn't an organizational structure thing. That's it's right. It's a spirit thing. That's right. And second chair isn't determined by proximity to the pastor. It's connectedness to his spirit. Yes, yes. And it, we, we sometimes get it confused that second chair means I've got real proximity to him. I've had seasons where I've got a lot of proximity to him and seasons where I haven't had as much because of the demands and needs of our ministry. But second chair is a connectedness through the spirit, even if we might not have proximity yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And I think that that's what I love about the spirit of what you're doing, Brandon, with that. But I think some of the things that pastors need, I, I jotted down a couple because Brandon kind of preloaded me with some of these questions. <laughs> and I just started with a long list and then I had to, to whittle away. And then based upon when I, what season of my life I'd answer it dif differently. Here's the first thing I wrote down that I thought was that pastors need is someone who hears their whispers. Mm. Mm. And it, it, it's, it's this concept that comes comes from Second um, Samuel 23, David's in the cave with his mighty men, and they're weary from battle. He's got 30 mighty men. He's got hundreds of thousands of soldiers in the military and, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in nation Israel, but yet his whispers, the, the, the cries of his heart that he couldn't even speak out loud to somebody else, he had three people who heard his whispers mm -hmm. that if I could just have a glass of water. I think mm. the pastors need somebody with an inclination to hear their whispers. Yeah, that's good. The desires of their heart that they can't even express with their mouth because if I were to share it, it might sound so stupid or it might sound too demanding. Mm -hmm. But the second, the second chair, the spirit of the second chair is all about hearing the whisper and giving them something that they didn't even have to ask for. Mm. That's why I love it. Mm -hmm. I, that, that'd be one thing yeah. I think is so important for the team. I don't know, here, here would be another one. Um, someone who makes uh, their vision, the pastor's vision, their vision. Right. It's the parable of the talents. Yeah. Parable of the talents is a beautiful thing because it's being faithful with what you've been entrusted with. Mm -hmm. And the master trusted his money to them. And then it says in the text, they immediately went put, put their money to work. Mm -hmm. So it started out as the master's money. Right. You entrusted it to me. It became my money and I owned it like it's mine. But at the end, I know where it comes from. The guy who was disobedient, the guy with the one talent, he buried it, said, here's what belongs to you. He never claimed ownership for what he was given. True. 
And so I think we need to have teams that are built with people that own the vision at the level that I think there's too much. I think dreams are overrated. Mm -hmm. I think we live in a culture where everybody's telling, go follow your dreams. I think I that's stupid for more. most people. Yes. I think, how about can you find a, vi a dream that's in your pastor's heart and say, that's my dream. Yeah. There's a freedom. Yeah. In saying, my dream is that dream. Right. And people all the time be like, LB, you should go start your own church. I said, I already did. It's called Elevation. Right? <laughs> yes. That's so good. Well, well, and don't you think, don't you think people come to the table sometimes with conditions on that? Oh, I, you know, dude. you know, like I'll, I, your vision is my vision as long as. It's conditional calling. It's yep. this whole idea of my calling comes with conditions. It, it, and I don't know, maybe I'm going to get in trouble with this and maybe you'll need to delete this out of the podcast, but I think most worship leaders are prostitutes. Okay. Um, because that's what heavy. happens that's is, heavy. that is heavy. And if you need to delete it I, out, you can. No, you, it's staying in. Because here's what happens. <laughs> Keep it. Keep because it. <laughs> a prostitute is someone who sells themselves for someone else's pleasure. Mm. You pay me, I oh. tickle your ear. Worship leaders will sell themselves out and they're pimping out the bride of Christ for whoever will pay their dime. Yeah. So that is, true. there is no calling and no anointing because it's not flowing from the house of God because I'm not submitted to the house. Right. That God's not going to bless a prostitute like that. Yeah. Now he can use prostitutes, oh but he hasn't gosh. called us to prostitute the bride of Christ. Yep. Uh, maybe you'll delete that out. I, no. I think I think I just I see I, all I see in my head is like that emoji with the brain blowing up. <laughs> you know, just like. Poof. But it, but it's real. It's it's is for everybody listening to this podcast. Ask yourself the question: Is there a point that I would step off the off the boat with my pastor? And. I think what we have to do is to count the cost before we say before we say we're going to climb the hill with you. Way too many pastors have gotten halfway up the hill and turned around and said, "Where'd they go? I thought they were with me, heart and yeah. soul." Yeah, it's a great T-shirt, wonderful slogan, looks great in a coffee cup, but it's really hard to live. Well, so when you were because you came to our staff camp uh, recently for our staff, and what I heard you say um, was someone who makes it personal, but learns how to not take it personal. Oh, yeah. And you that said that good. That was good. That well, you said. I don't know it if first. I said it. You made it better. <laughs> you said it first. I stole it from you, and I've been using it like it's my own. But I'm giving you credit now oh. for the world to hear. But um, <laughs> you know, someone who makes it personal, which yeah. is what you're talking about, like yeah. taking taking the pastor's dream yes. or taking that vision, making it your vision, your dream. Yes. But then learning how to not take it personal. You know, so like when Pastor Stephen says, "Hey, I need you to do this," and it's a totally different yep. job, totally different zip code, totally different yep. whatever, and you're like. Like, okay, got it. You're not going to get offended that he didn't want you where you have been. Yes. You know, you're not going to take it personal that he moved you. Yes. You're going to make it personal, but not take it personal. I just, I don't know if you want to talk about yeah. that, but that was something that I heard you say that I really appreciated. Well, it's so true because I think a lot of times we will flip it. We'll be easy to offend and we'll be slow to defend. Mm -hmm. And we live in a culture where offense is kind of one of the hallmarks of, of the current culture right, right. now. Absolutely. It's easy to offend and everybody speaks from offense. That's not a hallmark of the kingdom. Right. That's actually a spirit of the world. And so what I'm talking about, the second chair, is this spirit that says, I will defend, but I will be hard to offend. Yeah. And so it's funny, simple story uh, from a couple years ago. Uh, I was working out at the gym, and this is one of the two days of the year I was going to do cardio. Right, and, uh, right, yeah. So I'm going into the gym, and, and we had we'd been in the news a little bit. Uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we're at. And some guy walks up to me, some hillbilly, Billy Joe Jim Bob walks up. <laughs> says, hey, I heard about your pastor. Hey, I don't like your pastor and I don't like your church. And he went on. I, Dude, I'm just wanting to do cardio. Like, 
And he was like, I'm like, dude. And I said, your wife is butt ugly. And he's like, you don't talk about my wife like that. <laughs> I said, and you don't talk about my pastor like that. That's so good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So good. And and like that's pretty deeply personal. I, uh, and yep. and second chair, do you defend at the level somebody speaking about your wife like that? Right. To me, like that's that's intimate for me. Yeah. But I also have to operate in a system where he does not have to manage around my emotions. Way too many that aspire to the second chair are, are have a hard time sitting in it because the senior leader has to manage their emotions right. and how to deliver feedback. Right. And when, when, when what controls the conversation is guided more by managing your emotions than it is the mission, we don't understand what we're trying to accomplish. So when I say that hard to offend, it's that. Right. right. It's like, do I have to think about how to deliver this to you? Yeah. Or can I deliver it to you? Right. The spirit of the second chair says deliver. Everybody says it until you do it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't expect it like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So I want to go off script for a second. Love it. So I'm just going to throw this one in there because this is a really big thought in my heart right now. So I just want to see yeah. off the cuff what you would say about this. Okay. I'm really convicted right now about this idea of leading at the level of your trust. Yes. Lead, in other words, when you start on the team, your oh, trust man. level is going to be low. Yeah. And so you're going to have high restriction. You're, you're not going to have a lot of freedom. Totally. It, it doesn't negate the fact you're going to have a lot in you that you want to do. Yeah. I would say now that I'm, I mean, I think in June, I just crossed 18 years in ministry. The vast majority of that, like full-time ministry have been yep. here. All but just one or two years. And the... So now I have a lot more trust. Yes. And that means you have more permission. Yep. That means you can take some risks. That Love means it. you can you can you can try some things that that you couldn't do. But the people starting out look at the people who have trust and then they get frustrated. Like, why do I not oh, have that level yeah, of, totally. of of trust? And um tr and trust, of course, is the the bedrock of everything we're talking yes. about. What would you say to someone about leading at the level of your trust? Well, it's the same thing where we have a generation looking at their parents wanting their house, but not putting into 30 years to buy yes. that house. It's saying I can I can I can qualify um, I can qualify for the loan, but I can't pay the mortgage because I'd have no trust built up. And I think bringing new people into ministry, man, if you're going to come in and you're going to new and be work around me and be with me, the first three months, here's all I'm working on. Pass the smile test. <laughs> pass the smile test is when I ask people that you work with, do they smile? If they don't, you failed. Be early for meetings. Have no typos in your emails. Answer my text messages within one hour. At least a thumbs up. Now, that's the first three months of training, because if you can't get those baseline things in motion, everybody wants the keys, but I got to teach you how to drive my car. Wow. And it is irresponsible for me to give you the keys before you have a demonstrated responsibility. It's kind of like if, if I were to say to my son, my son's 13, hey, I need you to wash my car. At a 13-year-old level, he understands conceptually what it means to wash my car. He might walk outside, spit on it, and use his shirt and wipe it. Okay. That's not how I wash my car. I need to take him to the auto shop. Right. I need to show him the right. different types of soap you can buy. You don't use regular detergent soap from underneath the sink. Yeah. You use Meguiar's car wash and you have to use warm water and this kind of sham. You have to have thing on the bottom. I need to experientially walk you through feeling the vision so you get it. So when I ask you to reproduce something, you don't reproduce you, you reproduce me. I have to get me in you so you're reproducing me. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And... 
I, I'm just trying to go back to that place. And I feel like in our coaching groups and in different conversations we have, you know, with leading second, you just end up with a lot of leaders who are 20, 22, 24, yep. and oh. they want, they wonder why they haven't arrived and yeah. wonder why they don't have the keys yet. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of time in for some of the people oh when, when, you, when you're looking at people you admire, there's a lot yep. under, under the belt there. Well, he, he, let, me, let me give you this in, um, gosh, I believe it's Mark six. Jesus heals the woman who's got the issue of bleeding. Yep. And then she brings the little girl, uh, he brings the little girl back from the dead who's yep. 12 years old. Interesting story. He starts out with hundreds of hundreds of people pressing around him. He removes to just his 12. And then he's got his favorite three, Peter, James, and John. He loved all the disciples, but he only took three of them into the room where the little girl was going to be. That's right. right. Why? Here's why. Trust. Because he said in the room, don't tell anybody about this. I believe the other nine wow. had access wow. to get into the room, but their performance violated trust at some level. And Jesus says, I can no longer have access to that. Wow. So Jesus Power. loved everybody, but he did not trust them all the same. Yeah. Because I can trust Peter, James, and John because they've demonstrated it previously. And if you violate my trust, I cannot have you in the room with yeah. me. Yeah. That's so good. When they're so let's since we're here, I mean, what what do you do? What do you do to build trust? Or what do you do to rebuild trust? Yeah. You know, because Good we're journey. all going to make Excellent. mistakes. Oh, man. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to mismanage our emotions in a conversation mm -hmm. delivered by our leader. Like, yep. what are what are some ways that you have found that you can maybe rebuild that trust yeah. if it's been mangled a bit? It is it is a bank account that goes, it goes up and down. Uh, but there's a difference, I think, between um, trust and hope. And I would even maybe, maybe this would be a little bit of Mad Libs, but... Um, trust is, I trust that you're not going to steal money. I trust that you're not going to lie. Once that's gone, there isn't a seat at the table for you. So there's a certain level of character that must be demonstrated that when that's violated, I have to remove you from the table. It might be forever. It might be for a season. But then there's this other thing of um, where I'm going to give you responsibility, one talent. Are you faithful with it? And I think for how you gain trust is, were you faithful with the little right. that you were entrusted with? And it's easy to be all in when you get the decision you wanted. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. are you responsible when you get the decision that you didn't want? Right. A lot of people have a hard time owning that vision, but it's the same vision. Right. It's just their perspective on it. They but underestimate it, it. Totally underestimate it. And that is something, that's an economy that can be built back up. But it's, it's this idea of, do I have the spirit of David? This is, I've sinned against the Lord and against you. Or is it a Saul spirit that says, well, let me tell you why. Mm. Mm. And is there always an excuse to justify the thing? Or can you just own it at a level that says, I'm sorry. I blew it and I missed it. Yeah. Please forgive me. Yeah. Like that, leaders will take all day to coach that. Oh, totally. I, but I think, I think young leaders, they don't know that. Right. They don't know that the value add is actually in just owning up and saying, I'm sorry, I messed up. Yep. Like to for, to a leader, that means the world. Yes. Right. But when it's it's when the excuses come yes. and the well, I should have or I could have or I didn't or they did or that happened or this was there yes. and all the excuses happen. It's the leader is like, man, yep. you don't get it. Well, and I think the, so the, they're trying to say, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. I just messed up. And this is why. Yeah. And it's really just. I'm sorry, I messed up. What and, can I do different? And that's where I think a lot of senior leaders, what I would also say to them is you have to coach where you expose your frustration. Because often the frustration a senior leader has with somebody they're working with, they don't express that frustration. And unexpressed frustrations will always accumulate. Yes. 
And so I recently had a, a, a text message conversation with, with, a, with an employee who I said, hey, why didn't this happen? And he wrote me a long text message. And at the very end of it was, hey, it was my miss. Mm. And I coached him up afterwards. I said, I appreciate the text message back, but let me coach you about the kind of response I would want you to have. Move that last sentence to the very top. Right. Lead with that yeah. rather than end with that. And he received the coaching. He said, that's the first time I've ever been given that directive coaching and feedback. The guy's 32 years old. He's been in ministry since he was 18. Wow. And so I think what we're also talking about isn't lived out very often in the church world. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay, we got just a couple minutes and I got two questions for you. So we're going to land the plane here. This has um, been fun, by the way. I've loved this. I could go for an hour, but we don't have that. <laughs> um, you get this at such a revelatory level. Like, like this is this is not teaching you've heard. This is something that's in your spirit. Like yep. this is this is a revelation. Yep. Where did you? Where did God reveal this to you? Like, what was that mm. moment or that season where you got it? It is a progressive revelation. It is. It's, it's again, it's my son. He's 13 when he was five and I dropped him off the first day of school. He's like, daddy, I love you. Now in middle school and I drop him off. He's like, drop me off a block away. Dad, I love you. And he's like whispering under his voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But eventually one day on his graduation, he'll say, look at me, say, dad, I love you. One day he'll get married and he'll say, dad, I love you. Then one day he'll hold his firstborn child and say, dad, I loved you. He's used the same word his whole life, but his understanding over time has changed. That's progressive revelation. Mm. And I think for anybody who aspires to sit in the second chair, it, it is a progressive revelation. But most of, most of the, the signposts of growth are planted in seasons of struggle. And when I look back at the places that were really imparted into me in those revelations, it was in seasons of struggle. It was in seasons that wounded me, that made me want to walk away or give up because I didn't feel good enough. I've never had a day where I don't want to be at elevation. I have had many days where I don't feel good enough to be at elevation. I have had those days where I've dropped the ball so bad, I feel like they should, they'd be better off without me. And so, but it's those days that, that we've got to, if you want to sit in the second chair, you got to prepare for those days before they come and the revelation is in that day. Yes. But we walk away from it because we don't like that. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do with it. And we walk away and we spiritualize it. Well, I just feel like the Lord is leading me a different oh, direction. Say that. You suck and I'll slap you. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> the very development God wants to bring into your life, you're walking away from. Yes. Wow. So and true. now you're blaming God for it because you're saying he's leading me another direction. Yeah. Wow. I just I think you should have the the title of this session be that emoji. Because my brain just keeps, <laughs> just mind blowing emoji every every time every time I love it so good. We love you so much and we love your voice and um, we're gonna keep having these conversations. If there's still someone out there that doesn't get it, you and I are gonna keep talking about I this. I love it. Last question for you. Um, this might sound like a funny question, but um, what do you want your legacy to be on this team? I know you got yeah. you got decades left to lead, but I mean, when when. When your time comes, like, what do you, yeah, what, 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 um, what do you want your legacy to be? Man, that's such a great question. I think when I was in my twenties, that questioning wasn't even on the radar. Right. And uh, then when you're in your thirties, maybe, but now I'm in my forties, and now that that question is like, wow, okay. Uh, and so I, I'd answer it differently than it would um, a season ago, and I don't know how I'll answer it in ten years. But today, what I would say would be, um, I, again, I so identify with David in the text, a man who had deep uh, emotions and humanity, 
struggled, but still made himself available. I always hope I have that spirit. But one of the things I love about David is in his teens, you know, everybody identifies him as slaying the giant, you know, Goliath. And I think for a lot of times I viewed myself as that version of David. But if you jump into um, 2 Samuel 21, it's towards the end of David's life. And he goes out to fight and he gets overpowered by another giant. It's actually one of Goliath's brothers that's on a revenge mission to take him out. And in a series of a few verses, you've got David's men stepping in and slaying those giants. And then 2 Samuel uh, 21, 22, it says David and his four men slayed the giants. So David got credit for killing four giants at the end of his life, and he didn't touch any of them. He used a sling and a rock as a boy and killed one giant, but he inspired others to kill their giants. I would want my legacy to be that I inspired others to kill their giants rather than me killing my giants. Wow. So good. So well said. Thank you so much. We love you. Love you. All right, guys, can we give it up for... Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview today. If this podcast has resonated with you, I want to encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. Hit the subscribe button and plan to make us a part of your world every Thursday morning. Uh, Consider leaving us a rating, a comment, sharing the episode with someone uh, who needs it. I believe we'll all be better together when we have some of these conversations. Also head to leadingsecond.com, grab up some merch, join a coaching group. Uh, We'd love to just have you part of our tribe and have you in our world each and every week. So Leading Second, we love you. It is the honor of a lifetime to get to have these conversations with you, to be in your world. We may not know you, but we pray for you often. So until we talk next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.